Good morning, Next Level Church. How are you this morning? You having a good morning? We are in week three of our We Play series. And as you may be figuring out right now, I am not Pastor Matt. Um, he and Sarah are on a cruise ship, a well-deserved vacation. And so we're so excited that they can have a time of refreshing. But for us, we are continuing to, to blaze a trail in our We Play series. And um, we're going to be talking about relationships, and we play together this morning. But, but even before we get there, how many of you are, are owners of like a Wii console? You play the games, you've got that. Oh, we've got one in our home, and, and I've never realized the competitive nature of my kids until we've got the, the Wii games, and you start to see sides of your kids that, that were definitely taught by you and sides of your kids that you hoped you, you never taught them. And, but we know that some people just are competitive by nature. Are there any of you that are, you would say that you're just a very competitive person? In other words, everything gets turned into a competition. No matter what you do, honey, we got to go to the grocery store. Well, we better beat them there. Who are we racing? Doesn't matter. Everyone else on the road. So, I mean, everything's competitive. And, and personally, I'm not a very competitive person, except when it comes to this. If I know I'm doing something against a competitive person then I'm competitive. There's nothing better for me than taking down someone that's very competitive. <laughs> Other than that, I'm gonna be real chill. And so it was a few years ago, my wife and I were actually out with another couple and uh, we had a little bit of vacation time ourselves and, and this one particular day, we had gotten a hold of these kind of like sea kayaks and, and we're out tooling around on the water together and just having a great time and enjoying ourselves and looking at the sights and relaxing. And it's time to come back into shore. And so my wife and I are certainly in, in one kayak and, and the other kayak of the other couple, I'm gonna guess is about 30 yards away. And it was, a, it was just a beautifully calm day. And so if you're on the water and it's calm, you can hear conversations going on in the other boat that they don't know that we can hear. And I, and I hear the, the husband in the other kayak, he, he says to his wife, hey, let's, let's beat him to shore. But they didn't officially challenge us. That's all I needed to hear. So again, nothing better for me than beating someone in a competition that's competitive, that he's not, a, he's not officially called out the competition. So if he loses his competition, it's like he loses three times as much in my book. So like I see he and his wife, they start digging in and they're going at it, right? And so I'm like, all right, I can do this. And I just start going, but here's the, Here's the trick. When you're not in a competition with someone that's competitive, you can't look like you're working hard. And so I'm like, good long strokes, just still looking around at the sights. I'm having a good time. And I'm starting to realize I'm doing the math in my head because I'm that kind of guy. And I'm realizing I, I can take them. And they wouldn't even, they wouldn't even know. I mean, they're, they're going like this. And, and I'm like, I can take them. And not only I can take them, but I tell my wife, I said, honey, stop paddling. Because there's nothing more ridiculing than being in a competition with you and your wife. And you're getting beat by a guy that doesn't even know he's in the competition with you. It's even worse. And so I'm like, honey, just enjoy the ride. And I'm just going like this. And they're going like this and like this. And, and they're flying. And it's like, again, I figured it out. I'm beating them. I'm beating them. And I'm, I'm doing my best. Just don't even look like you're working hard. Don't even look like you're working. I'm probably dying on the inside. My lungs are collapsing, but I'm not looking like I'm working hard. And who knows, we just kind of ease on to that beach before they do. And here's the weirdest thing. I, their attitudes the rest of the day just stunk. 
Now, I, I'm not a competitive person by nature, as you can tell, but it's, for all of us, competitive, we like to win. There's something about winning. We like to be on the winning side. We like to have won, and especially like with the whole Wii games and all these things, finding a winner is easy. I mean, certainly, I mean, whoever gets to the highest level, has the most points, or has the biggest score, there's the winner. But when we transition into real life, how do we determine if we win? How do we know if we win? I mean, if it comes to even our financial life, that's a little easier to tell if we win or not, because uh, we, can, we can do things like, all right, have you, have you saved enough, or is... Do you, have you worked with a financial planner? Have you built up your 401k? Have you got a retirement account going? Can you retire early? That seems like a win. Can you, can you get out of the rat race and, and to where the money you've saved up is now more money, making more money than, than what you need to work for? And somehow you win, and we can determine wins. And maybe even in our careers, we can figure out what the wins are in our life because you've gone to school, you've got the degrees, you've specialized in this, you've got the right promotions, and, and maybe there's a win in that aspect to you because you've got a certain title, a certain position, or, or maybe you just being the boss or, or ultimately doing what you love for a living is, is the win for you. And so we can, we can try to determine what the wins are, but when it comes to relationships in our life, how do we know if we're winning. How, how do we do this? And I, and I think for most of us, when it comes to relationships, this seems to be the one area that we, we don't really um, focus so much on in this category, on are we really doing what we need to do and, and to take a, a good look at it. For most of us, I think if we were to do anything, we'd probably do this. We would give our relationship a grade, just like you do in school, like an A, B, C, D, or F. Do they still give Fs now? I think they should. Why change the letter system? It worked for years. Like, we give our, our, we give our marriages a, a grade. Of course, I don't know what an F is. An F a divorce or is F a miserable marriage? I don't, I don't know. We're not going to deal with that today. But we give ourselves a grade. But the problem with the grade is it's just a capture of a moment in time. And, and also the problem with the grade is it doesn't show the direction of the relationship. It just shows the present state of the relationship. It gives you a snapshot, not a direction. Because here, here's the point. Let me illustrate it to you this way. If you've got a B minus marriage, okay, B minus, some would say, I'll take a B minus. Some of you are like, I'd give anything for a B minus. But a B minus, it's like, well, well, what is that? Well, it all, all depends. Like six months ago, did you have a C marriage or did you have an A marriage? If you're going from a C marriage to a B minus marriage, you've got direction and tracking and it looks like you're going in the right direction. But if you were an A, and now you're at a B minus, there might be an issue. And so I, I'm saying maybe it's not so much about the grade we give and trying to determine the win, but it has so much more to do with the direction that we're taking in our relationship that will determine the win. Now, let me, let me, let me pause here because some of you are, are sitting here thinking, Scott, you realize that I'm, I'm not married, and is this going to be a whole marriage thing? And certainly I'm going to talk some about marriage this morning. But as we walk through some principles this morning, I want you to realize that these are so easy to transition. In fact, we're going to look at some verses in the Bible that it's all about developing the relationship with God. And so for, for everyone in this room, that's where we can connect. Also for singles in this room, there's some, some specific principles that I want to lock into you and show you this morning how this is, this, you've got to have this engaged in your life. But certainly the married couples in the room, this is going to be an easy one for you to get this morning. But if we're going to keep going back and asking the question, where do we win in relationships and how do we win? I think to truly answer this, 
we must look at the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. Uh, we've got to start with what is the ideal. And to do that, we've got to look at the kind of relationship that God wants to have with us. And I love the way that God describes his relationship with the church, with his people. He uses a metaphor. Do you know what the metaphor is? The metaphor is marriage. He, he considers this relationship that he has with us a marriage. I, I love the fact that he headed in that direction because it brings with it so many more um, applications to your marriage and my marriage that we can, can glean from it. And so, I, I mean, he, he uses this metaphor of a marriage. And so what we're going to do is start to look at the desired relationship that God, Christ, wants to have with his church, and from that, glean our principles for marriage and growing our relationships, and ultimately, how do we win in relationships? But to do this, I'm going to need us to turn to the very last book in the Bible, and this is the book of Revelation. Now, I, I know that if you have you've been around the Bible or familiar very much, you might be getting ahead of me already, thinking, you realize, Scott, that the book of Revelation is kind of full of all these creepy visions? Of, of prophetic nature, and all the famous um, relationship uh, messages are in other books of the Bible. I know where you're headed, so, but I want you to track with me. Because here's the thing about the book of Revelation, and you were right, there's got a whole lot of these prophetic visions in it, but the book opens with a series of letters that Christ is basically giving to these churches. And in each of these churches, he is sharing with them the kind of relationship that he desires to have. He's expressing to them, he's saying, this is what I want. And, and for so many of these, these, these churches, he's saying, this is the relationship that we have, and there's some good parts to it, but this is the area that I want you to work on, because there's a principle missing in your life that is hurting, ultimately, this relationship. And so I want us this morning... Um, to, to focus in on four different principles um, about these relationships that God desires to create within his church, and we're going to easily translate them into our own relationships that ultimately, if we follow these principles, we can get us on the path that leads us to the goal, ultimately the goal of what? How do we win in our relationships? All right, let's dive in this morning. Revelation, let's start in chapter 2. Let's start in verse 2 through verse 4. Now, this particular letter is to the, the church at Ephesus. And this is how it starts. It says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. And then verse 3, it says, You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Stop there. Dude, this is like an awesome letter. I love it. I mean, would you love to hear Jesus saying this over you? Think about it. Would you love to him to say, I've seen what you're doing, your hard work, you've persevered, you've not tolerated wicked um, men, you've tested those who claim to be apostles, and, and you've persevered, you've endured, and you've not grown weary. Talk about a great list that you want to hear. But then verse 4 comes in, and he says, Yet I hold this against you. Here's the other shoe dropping. You've forsaken your first love. You've forsaken your first love. They, what did the church at Ephesus do? They did all these lists of good things right, but then they've missed it in this one area. They lost their first love. 
And again, we're talking about the relationship that God is having with his church, and, but yet he's using these, these words that evoke this marriage relationship, and he's saying, you've lost your first love. And in other words, they forgot why they're in the relationship in the first place. They forgot why they're, they're doing what they're doing. Even though they're doing all the good things, they, they forgot why. In fact, there might be some of you in this room this morning that when it comes to you looking at your own marriage, quite honestly, you might be saying, I forget why I married this person in the first place. You forget. Something was lost on the road in this process. Something, something was forgotten. We, we just don't seem to remember. And here's the hard part. When you forget that, when you forget why you connected with this person in the first place, when you forget why you're attracted to this person in the first place, when you forget what drew you to this person in the first place, when you've lost your first love, then at this moment, the only thing that happens is all you see are the continued frustrations and the continued irritations of your spouse. You see all the negatives. That's all you see. You see when they don't put their clothes away. You see when they didn't pick up milk on the way home from work, even though you asked them to. You see that they don't seem to spend the time with the kids that you're hoping that they do. You see that they don't take an interest in, in what you do. You see them start an argument when there's nothing really to argue about. All you see is the irritations and the frustrations. Because those have superimposed themselves over the memory of why you fell in love in the first place. And so what do we do? If you find yourself in that place, what do we do? Well, let's look at verse 5. It gives us some insight here. It says, remember the height from which you have fallen. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. And if you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But he's saying, remember from where you came from. And then go back and do those things you, you started to do. So in asking the question, how do we win in relationships? Number one, we've got to find our first love. It's there. It hasn't disappeared. It hasn't run away. You may have forgotten, but it's time to dig it up again. It's time to remember. Remember what brought us together in the first place. Remember what drew you to the person you're with in the first place. Remember your first love. Remember the attraction Remember that desire that you had to be together, the excitement of seeing them, the anticipation, the longing. I mean, I can remember when I was dating my wife in college that I, I would drive 20 minutes to the mall that she was working at just so I could spend time with her during the 10-minute break in the middle of her shift. I just, I needed to be with her. But if I find myself in a life that I've just kind of slipped off the intentionality, and all of a sudden, I just kind of forget my first love. And I start to question why I'm even here in the first place. We've, we've got to remember. We've got to, re we've got to remember. How do we remember? Again, I, I know that I'm about to say some things here, and you're going to say, hey, yeah, you know, I should probably do something like that someday. 
Or maybe today you can cross the line saying, you know what, he's talking directly to me today, and this is for me today, and maybe these are the things that you've got to engage even today. So this is what I want you to do. If this is you, you have lost your first love, I want you to remember, what do you do? Make a list of the reasons why you fell in love. Write it down, even today. Even before this message is even over, you've got a little bulletin there and start making a list. You might want to write it in code if your wife is sitting next to you. Potentially gets a little awkward in this moment. Make a list. Write it, write it out. What was, it, what was it that actually attracted you in the first place, that drew your love, that engaged your heart within that person? Because if all we do is focus on the imperfections and the irritations, then nothing will change. Nothing will change. So number one, how do we engage the win in our relationships? We've got to find our first love. Let's keep moving on here. Another letter, another church in the book of Revelation. This church is called Theotira. And it's in Revelation chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. It says, I know your deeds, your love and your faith. All of a sudden, we got another great opener here, right? It's like the list of good stuff is coming, but you know that the back end's going to hit. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Awesome, you're improving. Verse 20. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Dang it! All right, it's about to slip off the cliff here. Look at this. You tolerate the woman Jezebel, oh dear, who calls herself a prophetess, oh my, and her teachings, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality, or are we really going there today? And the eating of food sacrificed to idols, I don't even have a clue how that relates. But We've got, we've got Christ. He's talking to this church at Theotire, and he's like, you guys are doing so many good things. But I got this against you. There is someone in your midst that is pulling you away from where you need to be. And this person has the potential to destroy everything. And this is what, this is what Christ is saying to his church at Theotire. This, this is what they were dealing with. He says, there's a Jezebel. Let me, let me explain that, because it's like, that's a word that, that we could even use, and we don't even know what it really means. Let me give you, the, the, here's the quick biblical lesson here. The, the name Jezebel that came from the Old Testament, which were hundreds of years prior to this being written in the book of Revelation. And in the Old Testament, Jezebel was this woman. She was the wife of King Ahab. Um, ultimately, she was this. She was a liar, a deceiver, a murderer, and a destroyer of all things that had to do with God. She was one bad chick. Got me? Now, all of a sudden, here in Revelation, the same name reappears. And no, this isn't the same person that came back to life. But what is being talked about here is there's a person that ultimately has the same, the same spirit, the same motivation as this Jezebel in the Old Testament. But here in Revelation, we even get more detail as to this person that was taking down this church at Theotira. And we see that she was leading people into immorality and adultery. She was taking people down one at a time and destroying them, destroying their lives, destroying their families, destroying their faith, leading them away from God and ultimately destroying the church. And here's God crying out to this church, because he sees that within them is something that is destroying them. And it's breaking the heart of God because he sees the relationship crumbling. 
because they are tolerating an unhealthy relationship. What does this mean for us? Just like those in the Bible that were in relationship with Jezebel, we might have a similar problem. We may be keeping inappropriate relationships. There might, there might be inappropriate relationships um, with someone at the office, with someone that's a neighbor, someone at the gym, and... Yep, I'm going to go there. Someone on Facebook. Someone that you love the acceptance that you get from that person. And it doesn't matter if the relationship is that deep. It doesn't matter how shallow it is. It's, there is a pull in that direction from that person. You love the attention. You love the affection. You love the approval you seem to get from that person. You love it. And let me be clear here. Certainly I'm talking to married couples in the room, but if you are a single person in this room, same rules apply. If you are in relationship in any capacity with an unhealthy person, hear me. There are so many strings that are attached. And these strings are never good. These are strings that will pull your heart away from your spouse. These are strings that will destroy your marriage. They will destroy your family. They will ultimately destroy you. So what do we do? Let's say I called your number this morning and you're sitting here thinking, how did he know? How did he know about the neighbor? How did he know about the Facebook person because you graduated from high school together and they looked you up and hey, it was just they wanted to be friends and you clicked yes and all of a sudden you started a conversation that your spouse doesn't know anything about and, all, and you're trying to keep it quiet but you've convinced yourself it's innocent when it's really not because you're starting to disclose things about your life you should never have any business disclosing to anyone else other than your spouse. And you might even be here thinking, hey, these relationships I have, they're not that big of a deal. It's no big problem. I'm saying anything that there is the need to keep in the dark away from your spouse is a wrong and unhealthy relationship. It's that serious. Why is it that serious, Scott? Why are you taking such a big stance against this? Are you against Facebook? I am just sick and tired of watching families fall apart. Let me tell you why. Because as a pastor, I don't, I don't know how to undo this in my life. My heart's in it. You, you may not know this, but I'm emotionally invested in your marriage. So when I get the word in the office or the phone call or the visit or the email or the Facebook message that says we're splitting up, it hurts. It really hurts. And I'm not saying that, oh, Scott hurts. I'm just saying this to say, I'm tired. I'm tired of broken marriages. I'm tired of it. And it's like if I can pick to do any one thing in my life, it would be this. God, somehow give me an anointing to help broken marriages. It breaks my heart. I hate it. I hate it. hate it. 
I hate it for spouses because they live miserable lives that they don't have to be that way if they can just start to deal with their stuff. I, I hate what it does to kids. I'd love to say, hey, kids can recover. I wish I could say that. Do kids manage? Yep, they manage. I don't ever want my kids to manage. So what do we do? What do we do? How, how do we not lose, even in this area? Is, if there is someone... If there, if there is someone in our life that we are, are keeping some level of inappropriate relationship, what do we do? How do we win in this area? We've got to remove any relational distractions. We've got to remove, I, we've got to break them off as fast as possible. And I love what, what Mike Ash, our associate pastor, he says, this is a phrase that he says, never apologize for being rude to temptation. I love that. <laughs> never apologize for being rude to temptation. In other words, it is okay to be rude to that which has the potential to destroy your marriage. But, but they're good people, and what if I decline them as a friend, and if I stop talking to them at the office, or I start engaging, stop engaging them at the gym, what are they going to think? They've not really done anything. I said, I don't care, because your marriage is on the line. It's that big of a deal to me. Stop it! <laughs> stop it. I, there is no relationship that is more important than your marriage. Okay. Some of you are thinking, why did I come to church today? I, who is this guy? Um, okay. Where do we start? We were number one, find our first love. Number two, remove any relational distractions. Let's keep moving. Number three, church called Sardis, Revelations chapter three, verse one, it says, and God doesn't even open up with any niceties on this one. He says, to the angel of the church at Sardis, write this. He says, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive. <laughs> What's the last line? But you are dead. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. In other words, they were going through the motions. Have you ever felt yourself just going through the motions? Have you ever felt like you're just, you put it in cruise control and you're just going through the motions. You're just doing what you're supposed to do and, and you're just going through the motions. Your heart's not in it. You're just going through the motions and, and your marriage has been reduced to just a, a well-choreographed scene of just going through the motions. You do your part. She does her part. It's like you're just reading a script. You're going through the motions, and, and here God is speaking to this church, I don't want you to go through the motions anymore. I, I want your heart in it. I want you involved in this process, because here's the struggle for us. For, for most couples that are here in this scenario where you're going through the motions, there only seem to be two options. Number one, keep going through the motions and be miserable, or number two, leave and find excitement elsewhere. And I pretty much, you can figure out, I don't think any of those are real options. It's not the answer. What does the answer look like? Well, look at verse 2. 
Verse 2 says, wake up. Say, wake up. All the people that said it don't really have to say it. It's everyone else in the room that didn't say it that need to. That's okay. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. In other words, God's saying, we're not done. I've not given up on you. There's still time. But the point is, you've got to wake up in this moment. You've got to make a change. Not next week, not next month, but now. It's got to start today. You've got to wake up and strengthen those things that have fallen apart. Strengthen what things? I, I, it's about starting today. It's about it's about not going through the motions anymore. So if we're going to win in relationships, we've got to quit going through the motions. There's, there's like, in my house, there's two kinds of wake-up moments. There's, there's the, our, my kids get up at, at 6 o'clock every morning to go to school. And uh, my alarm goes off, and I, I get up, and I walk over to their rooms, and I, and I have this. Because my boys are, are, are good this way. I walk into one of my son's rooms, and I, I lean down on, on the, the bed, and I say, Hey, buddy, it's time to wake up. And he rustles and come, wakes up and makes his way to the couch. And I go to the other bedroom and, hey, buddy, it's time to wake up. The second one works, works the most time for my, my boys. But there's occasions that the wake up, buddy, doesn't work anymore. I don't know if this works in your house. Do you know what the second wake up is kind of like? Wake up! Wake up, wake up, wake up, it's time to go to school. Everybody loves that kind of wake up. I, it's more intense. It's, it's, all I'm saying is in this moment in your life, if you are the ones that you marriage, you thought it was alive, but it's actually dead, it's time to wake up, wake up, wake up. There's no subtle wake up. There's no let's ease into it and let the, let's wake up as the sun comes up. No, 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 it's time to wake up. How do we wake up? I mean, I, here's what I want you to do. If you are in the I was asleep in this moment, but now I wake up, I've got to bring some life back into my marriage. I want you today, how about this? Go on a date today. Today. Go on, I don't know. You're like, that's impossible. Go this week. There's, everyone in this room has the full capability to go on a date in the next seven days, if you're saying, you haven't looked at my schedule, I'm saying, you haven't tried hard enough. I'm saying, it's got to be, wake up. There's no easing into this. We've, we've got to wake up. We we've, get together over lunch uh, this week. Pick a night that the TV stays off and just have a discussion. Novel thought, have a discussion. Make a list of the seven topics that you've been meaning to have with your spouse and pick two of the seven and actually have the conversation. I'm saying it's time to wake up and do something, not just go through the motions. And I'm saying, this is what God wants. Again, I was not just talking about marriages. This whole letter that's being written to this church is from Christ saying, I, I just want a real relationship with you. I just want a passionate relationship with you. I want you to engage this process and not for you to just go through the motions. Clear? All right, let's hit our last one and we're going to close. Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. It says, I know your deeds and that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were either one of the other or the other. Verse 16. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Which is kind of a gory thought. But again, what, look at here. What is Christ wanting from his church? What is he really asking for? Again, he is talking about his relationship with his church. He's saying, you guys, you're neither hot or cold. Pick one. What, what is Christ wanting in his relationship with his church? He wants, he wants passion. Are you catching it here? He wants passion. He's not saying just 
He's not saying you can either be hot or cold, and if you pick either, that's fine. He's saying make a decision. Certainly God is saying, I want you to pick hot. I want you to have passion. But don't just stick in the middle. There is a preferred destination here. And I'm knowing this full well that some of us in this room might be finding ourselves in a lukewarm relationship. And you're like, I, I just don't know what to do. Stir up the passion. But I'm not feeling like it. I didn't ask you if you were feeling like it. I'm saying do something and the feelings will come. Do something passionate and I'm pretty dang sure that the passionate feeling will follow. So if you're sitting there saying, I got no passion in my marriage. Well, do something passionate. Like what? What are you telling me to do? This is my dare. Oh, I, I didn't even plan on saying this. This is my dare. <laughs> we may have to stop recording on this one. No. Um, <laughs> I mean, because what's the, what's the answer here? We've got to find our passion. How do we win in this relationship? We've got to find our passion. So we do something passionate. When you leave church today, go out to your car, and before you get out of the parking lot, kiss your spouse passionately. Hi, honey. I'm going to wrap this up in between services. Um, <laughs> sweep your spouse off your feet. Again. And, and, and don't, don't misconstrue me here. I don't care if it's the husband or the wife. Don't, wait, don't just say, I'm waiting for them to get passionate. No, you start. Don't wait for your spouse to go first. You start. Engage the process. Make them the object of your affection. Pursue them. Stir up the passion. Do something passionate. I, we all love to see the old couple that's been married 104 years and they're still passionate for each other. We love that. Why? Because they know that passion isn't an, a, an issue. It's something that's always there and important engaging in their life. And so I'm saying if you want to have that as a goal that you have the kind of marriage that is always passionate, do something passionate every single day of your life. It's the kind of relationship that God wants to have with his church. It's the kind of relationship that we've got to have with each other. If we're going to win in any capacity in our relationship, there's got to be passion. Whew. I'm getting tired today. Okay. Let me, let me wrap it up here. Let me wrap it up here. How do we win in our relationships? How, how do we win? We've got to engage the process that God engaged with his church. He, want, he wrote these letters for a reason. He, had, he started this conversation with these churches because he, he wanted them to, to find their first love because they forgot. He wanted them to remove any relational distractions because they can kill like a cancer. He wanted people to, to quit just going through the motions. And he wanted people to find their passion. If this is the kind of relationship that God wants with every single one of us, then why wouldn't we want to have this kind of relationship in our own life with our spouse? Can you, can you imagine that kind of relationship? That you are with your first love. You've protected it from relational distractions that want to just tear you away. You quit just going through the motions and you live a passionate marriage. Seems pretty awesome to me. That's what I want. 
what I can thankfully say, it's what we enjoy. Life is good in this kind of relationship. And it's what I want everyone in this room to have. It really is. I, I, know, that, I know that sermons and messages like this, they're, they're not the answer all. They, in some cases, they're good reminders. In others, they get the ball rolling and become a good first step. But I know that some might need some help. And so let me just toss this out there. You know, when we have financial issues, we, we talk to financial planners and financial advisors. In fact, there's probably a dozen of them in this room right now. When, when we have career issues, we talk to career counselors and professionals and professors and coaches because they're all out there. But in relationships, so often this one gets pushed to the side on seeking help in until it might be too late. But I want you to know that we are so for marriage counseling. Because we know that sometimes in a service like this, it's not, it's not everything. It's not what you need. It's not sufficient. You need someone to help walk you through a process towards health, complete health in your marriage. And so you can even go to nextlevelchurch.com and there's a list of counselors that, that we work with and we support and we say these are great places to start. Here's the point. Don't even wait for the end of the day. Call them, knowing full well that they're not even going to take your call because it's Sunday afternoon. But call them and say, I'd love to make an appointment with you. I need some help in my marriage. There's no shame in that. Let me say it again. There's no shame in seeking help for your marriage. I want to pray over you this morning. I want to pray over all of you. Certainly, I'm going to be praying over marriages, but for everyone in this room, because there's points of application this morning. Everything we talked about this morning, this was from God on the kind of relationship he's desiring with all of his people, whether they're married or not. And these are principles that can be carried into every aspect of our life because they're healthy principles. Because God is wanting every single one of us to win. To win in our relationships. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you reveal to us the kind of relationship that is healthy and life-giving, the kind that you want to have. That it's not a sterile relationship, it's not a cold relationship, but it's one of passion and emotion and our hearts involved and fully engaged and it's something that you want protected because it is such an amazing thing. And so God, I am asking that there would be a, a blessing over us this morning. I pray in that blessing is a strength, a strength to to dig in and to find our first love again, to remember, to make the list, to write it down, to jog our memory. I pray, God, that you give us the courage to, to cut off the unhealthy relationships. And even, Lord, I pray that you would give us a glimpse on how destructive they could really be. But protect, protect, Lord, relationships. Please protect them. God, help us 
that we wouldn't ever find ourselves just going through the motions, going through the motions. That we would be fully engaged with you, with our spouse, in our relationships. And then God, the passion, that we wouldn't live passionless lives, but our hearts would burn for you first and foremost, God. And they would burn for those that we are with. Because you want a white, hot relationship. That's what you want. That's what you want for us. And I thank you so much for this, God. I thank you so much. And God, I pray this blessing over all of us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>